Podcast. My name is Marlene Sokol. I'm a reporter covering the Hillsborough County Schools for the Tampa Bay Times. This is part of our report on education, and I am here today with Lindsay Blankenbaker, who was gracious enough to join us. She is an organizer for the Hillsborough Classroom Teachers Association and has worked as a classroom teacher, I believe, high school social studies. High school, high school social studies. And we are here today talking about something that teachers who are listening will find very familiar, and I'm just going to use one word for it, voluntold. <laughs> Basically, what we're talking about, and, and this has been a big issue with contract negotiations in Hillsborough, um, principals with good intentions, let's say, are being innovative, and they're suggesting extra activities and unfortunately, oftentimes, these activities come at the expense of teachers' planning time. As you probably know, if you're listening, teachers work under very carefully crafted contracts because they are with students most of the day, but they're also required to do a lot of other things like lesson plans and grading papers and entering grades and contacting parents, a lot of other important administrative tasks uh, that you can't really do them with a room full of students. So the contracts exist to give them some time. I think most teachers will tell you it's never enough, but with these extra activities, it's eating into their time and causing quite a bit of resentment. So I want to turn it over to Lindsay first. Thank you for being here today. If you could tell me, did I introduce it correctly, and if you could elaborate, t- tell me what you're hearing from teachers at the schools. Absolutely. I think you, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. We are, um, we are in contract negotiations right now, and, and every, it's every three years is, a, is what we call a language year, where we really dig into how, how the contract shapes the workday for our educators and what we can do to improve those workdays. Because ultimately, if Hillsborough is a great place to teach, then we will have and keep great teachers, and that creates great classrooms for our kids. And that, so that, that's why we're all in this. And in contract negotiations, one of the um, topics of discussion that has come up, and, and to be honest, has become a little... Um, um, contentious? Contentious. Um, <laughs> yes, it's been a little contentious. We can just call that. It, it's been a little contentious. Is this idea of, of teachers being, um, like you said, voluntold, um, which is uh, not being, you know, not being required outright to um, to work against their um, their contract or outside the boundaries uh, protections of their contract, but essentially um, being implied that failure to do that would have a negative impact on their administration's view of them professionally, could even potentially affect them in their, and like you said, carefully crafted, very um, extensive, very, um, in many ways, complex evaluation um, instrument. Yeah, let's jump right into that. There was a lot of discussion of Domain 4, and I looked it up, and for those who are not familiar with Hillsboro, Hillsboro has an evaluation instrument for all employees. Mm-hmm. It was uh, created during the years of, of the Gates the Gates project, 
And domain four talks about are you participating with the school community? Or, you know, and, it, and, and it specifically says, are you, are you only doing these extra things when asked or are you, it, you know, volunteering to do them or are you offering to do them? Right. So there are that particular part of the, um, of the evaluation instrument does, um, well, really just like any other section, uh, um, allows for a professional to be accomplished, meaning sort of the minimum requirements for, um, uh, for their uh, performance. And then they could be rated exemplary. So they're going above and beyond. They could go be rated uh, progressing, which is they're moving in that direction, but they need more work or even requires action, which is some, there really needs to be a, a significant change soon to, to be considered effective. Um, our stance, and I think it's, it's logical, that for a, if a professional is rated uh, accomplished, it means that they are doing what is expected and ultimately within the, within the boundaries of the contract. Um, I think that in, in theory, that would hold true. In practice, we see people who have you know, really pushed back a little bit on being voluntold or to do many and can be quite numerous ex- extended or, 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 or external responsibilities that it can come back to bite them on the evaluation instrument. So they're rated as they, they might be rated as a, as progressing or even requires action when really they're working within the contract. I'm looking at the wording on, I, I, I took a picture of this. I'm looking at the wording on progressing, which is on the lower end of the scale. And mm-hmm. it says the teacher becomes involved in the professional community and in school and district events and projects when specifically asked. Right. So, so now here is a teacher who is doing what he or she has been asked to do, not saying no, they're doing it, and yet they're getting a low rating. Well, and I think it's important what you said to, to really characterize it as, as what it is. I, I, certainly the, the language of progressing suggests that it's, it's a work in progress, that it's developing, and I don't think that that necessarily is inherently negative. That being said, there's a numerical value yeah. attached to that. And in, in this, the, the era of teachers pay mm-hmm. and being tied to their to their evaluation and ultimately being dependent on their student performance but also the evaluation that's entirely within their hands of the the site administrator a progressing or a requires action has a new because that has a numerical value there's only so many of them that you can have before you start to get into territory where you're where not only is your salary affected but your job could be could be um, in in danger and again if someone really is having those performance issues certainly we want to address those but but a teacher working the contract or and and I would say that that's very r- rare to begin with that shouldn't be something that is a liability to their profession, exactly. to their professionalism. That it really should not be construed that way. And and what we are, what we have maintained at the bargaining table, is that it is being construed that way in many places. And just because it's not on paper, it doesn't look that way on paper, doesn't mean it's not happening. I mean, you could talk to. We do. We represent. Um, you know, we, we in our union represent about 80% of district employees and our members come to us and, and tell us about this happening. And sometimes they're afraid to even speak out, even with union representation, they're afraid to speak out because of these very subtle and, and hard to track repercussions that they, that could come their way. Well, without naming schools, and, and we did name a school last week, it was Lado High School, and we got some pushback on social media, mm-hmm. you know, they were doing the home visits Lots of people get, getting on Twitter saying, oh, the home visits were great. And I think even 
Stephanie, the executive director, she went on Twitter to say, I have nothing against home visits. However, our concern is about teacher's time and, and just to clarify. But I'm going to ask you to give me some examples without naming schools, but, but what are some of the trends you're seeing and, and what are some of maybe the more outrageous things that teachers are telling you they've been asked to do? So we, um, some of the things that we've even uh, brought up at, at the table, and this is, this is consistent, I would say consistent throughout the district, not necessarily at every site, but it's widespread enough to be uh, in, in many ways, at least an informal way of work now, is um, if a teacher is on campus that time, that the teachers on campus before the student day, after the student day, is is really viewed as being up for grabs regarding um, mandated planning. Um, No, I shouldn't say mandated plan because teachers are planning all the time. That's what they do, planning at school, at home, you know, in in the car, (laughs) whatever it is. It's that it's required, um, um, uh, you know, joint planning or trainings. And they really, that time is really seen as being up for grabs when really what we've tried to do is, is move in a different, move in a direction of respecting that time as being the, under the professional autonomy of the teacher. That the teacher needs that time to plan, to, um, to, to determine the path that, that, that their class is going to take that day to, like you said, work on assessments because I mean, we're so assessment heavy now that, that, that doesn't, that those things don't just appear. It doesn't happen by itself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So every time you're called in a direction to go to, um, you know, a, a, um, a your voluntold to participate in a particular committee or a particular, uh, a, you know, a particular joint planning session, it's not that those things aren't valuable, but there's just only so many that can fit within a day. I, I mean, I think one of the things that's difficult to relate to if you if you are if you've not been an educator <clears throat> is that there are very few jobs out there that are that the performance part of it totally subsumes the preparation part of it. It would be like if you were in, you know, you're preparing for a big meeting or a big you know big pre, big presentation to a meeting. And that was eight hours of every day. And you can't just run to the restroom when you need to, or you can't take a, you know, a water break when, when you need to. And by the way, you're presenting to a class full of rambunctious kids. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not the, the, the planning that goes into making that work is in an entirely other job. And there's only so many hours in the day. So when you're being told, okay, you're going to have not just, not not only should you go to these required um, joint plannings or joint trainings, we also are going to, um, <clears throat> you also need to volunteer on several committees. Oh, I need you to sponsor this club. The or the lunch is, and learn or the breakfast in the classroom. Yeah, which again, there's not, those things are not inherently bad. They're good things. They but can be good. They're, they're good about, it, it serves many purposes, so keeping kids in the classroom, maintaining, you know, if there's discipline issues on campus, but also I think it offers the opportunity for students to engage with their teachers in a way that they might be different during the school day, that it helps to build, to engage with their classmates. It builds community. Nobody's denying any of those things. It's just that, and, and to be honest, teachers do it for that reason. But it presents a big, dra- a big drain on their time. And then if they're told, okay, beyond that, you have additional duties in the cafeteria at lunchtime. Never mind trying to grab a bite to eat yourself. Yeah. Um, additional duties after the the school day, and you know, we we have hundreds of buses in. I mean, gosh, maybe even thousands of buses in the. I, I'm no expert on that, but in the district, and that can make transportation issues tough. So you're sitting out on the the ramp, making sure the kids get on the bus. We, you know, teachers do it because you want the kids to be safe. 
But when you, when what you're doing and what you're taking professional responsibility to do is, is pushed aside and you're being mandated to do something or not being recognized for what you already do and have the remaining time that you have that's precious and, you know, you have that sort of um, infringed upon, I, I wouldn't, I mean, routinely, I mean, if not routinely, then certainly frequently, it become it feels like an affront. It it feels dis it feels um, like you're being manipulated. It feels as though you're being disrespected, and that's you know th- that's a real problem for our professionals who when we're in a nationwide teaching shortage, especially in Florida, and we've experienced a, a, a huge shortage in Hillsborough County. And we've worked hard. We have as the union have worked with District HR to try to um, to try to fill those vacancies and get get teachers in the classroom. They need to be there. We need to value the teachers that are in the classroom. We need to show them that value and, and, and protect their time and protect their autonomy so that they want to stay. I think, yeah, and I was going to reference the teacher shortage because you hear a lot of scary numbers about enrollment going down in teacher colleges. You hear about universities shutting down their teacher colleges because they mm-hmm. just don't have enough uh, enough students coming in. One of the examples that mm-hmm. was given during the negotiations, and I, I, I don't know if I'm remembering it accurately, Monday afternoon, which is when most Mondays they close schools an hour early so that teachers have planning time. Now, this year, some of the mon- Mondays you gave back because they needed enough hours. However, yeah. even on the Mondays when, when you're closing early so that teachers will have planning time, the principals are requiring you to attend meetings, which I don't think they're supposed to do according to the contract. No, they're, well, they're not. Um, it's, <clears throat> this year is a little bit different because in general, um, one Monday a month during that early release time can be, um, can be designated for what we call a PLC or professional learning community or some sort of data driven activity to look at student data. That's a regular, that, that's something that's by contract and teachers anticipated. So and to be honest, about, they, yeah, yeah, they, they, they learn from those things and, and, and they develop as professionals and, and they serve their students better because it's not, no one is saying that that's not valuable. However, this year, because of, to be honest, a legislative mandate about when the student or how late the student year, the academic year has to start, yeah. you just run out of days. Yeah. And so we've, we have worked with the, um, with the district to negotiate um, a, a, a pause in the early release days during, um, from mid-October through November. That's fine. But what we also built into that was that the remaining early release Mondays would not be subject to those required PLCs. It's it, not, neither I nor anyone else in the union, to be honest, nobody even on campus would say to those teachers, you can't collaborate during that time. P- teachers plan all the time. We collaborate all the time. But the point is you can't be required yeah. to go to those things. It has to be, it's your professional discretion, which is the way it should be. And that is, I, you know, we've already seen a start to the year and this was written in our memorandum of understanding. It's very clear there. Countless schools have already planned PLCs on those, on those early release Mondays and, and whether they just didn't know or they were hoping someone else didn't know or their teachers wouldn't know. Either way, we're doing a lot of cleanup work to make sure that that time really is protected. And in the meantime, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, I hate to use a big word like, but chaos around it. People feel unsettled. What's, what's correct? What's not? It's, you know, Educators work on the fly. You know, they, they, we 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 roll with changes. We roll with adjustments because that's 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 the nature of 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 the it's the nature of the beast. But 
we do want to, and educators do want to feel as though when they have agreed to a standard, we have agreed to a standard or, or, or and to a certain extent, a boundary, that that's respected. And when well, it's disregarded, it, it, it can it can come across as as, as very as disrespectful. Now, I, and I've never <laughs> been a classroom teacher. I've done a little bit of teaching, but it was community college, not what, what you do. So the typical teacher, and I know nothing is typical, but how much of their work are they able to accomplish at school during an eight-hour day, and how much of it is coming home with them at night and on the weekends? I mean, if, uh, are and, they given enough planning and, time? And, Absolutely not. And I don't know that you could be because really what you're doing while you're on campus is, is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I would, I would say to anyone, go out and, and watch teachers leaving at the end of the day. I'll challenge you to find someone who's not walking out with a tote bag or a, or a rolling cart full of papers to grade or, or materials to work on to plan. It, 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 and, you know, there are, there are some times when you can, when you can use a lesson that maybe you've prepared in previous years and adjust it for this year's students. And maybe that's not as, as heavy a lift, but I would say that the, that the operating expectation is that that's, it's got to get done sometime. There's only so many hours in the day. So I would say that regularly teachers are committing multiple hours a day, certainly in a week's time over the weekend, over summer breaks to make that happen for the students when they're sitting in front of you. So it's, it's not, it's, it's definitely not the exception. It is much more the rule. Now, and I'm going to flip this around and be a devil's <laughs> advocate here because I've heard the devil needs more advocates. <laughs> okay. So if the principal is trying to improve things out of school, and let's be honest, we have some schools in this district that really need a lot of improvement. Um, or, or let's just put it a different way. The students are not where they should be in their basic skills, in their reading, in their math. And so we have some teachers who are trying to turn that around. They're trying to be innovative. You know, they want this generation of children to have a higher literacy skill than their parents before them and so forth. So a teacher wants to be innovative, yet if she suggests something, the teachers feel like, I mean, how, how do we get out of this cycle? I, I, I guess my question is, is there a way that a principal can be innovative, suggest something above and beyond without being in a position of taking advantage of, of teachers or violating the contract? Absolutely. I, I think, and, that, and it happens every day. It happens every day. It's, it's, it's the spirit of collaboration with which administration you know, enters a you know, enters an effort to, to innovate. You, you got to go in with the idea of, I have this idea, but I, as a principal, I'm speaking it, I've never been a principal, yeah. but I'm saying from the teacher perspective, you, you would have to go in with the attitude that I have an idea, but I cannot make this idea happen effectively without buy-in. And that buy-in isn't, I mean, if we think about just the, just the, the common use of the term buy-in, it doesn't mean hitting someone over the head with something until they, they finally give in. You want people to see the value, to, to, to share your vision and take a, a stake and become invested in that, in that outcome and making that happen. And teachers by nature are receptive to new ideas because every classroom is a new group of students. I mean, that's one of the great things about education is that you get a fresh start. Every, every single year we're walking out a fresh start right now. All of my emails this week have been happy new year because it really does feel like that. Teachers, want to find new ways to reach students. They want to see a, 
um, proven and 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 um, effective ways to to reach these students because no one is walking out of our of our our schools most in need and saying. Oh, well, forget those kids. I, no one. It just doesn't work that way. So principals have to come in with, a, I think, with an attitude or, 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 a, or a spirit of these are the professionals that are doing the work in front of these students every day. It's not that I want to tell them what to do. I want to give them an idea and support them in making in making this happen and get their feedback on, on potential challenges that they see and ways that we can overcome those challenges. But it comes with an, again, from a place of, of collaboration and respect. respect. Well, it sounds like a, a lot of this mm-hmm. has to do with the principal's personality and style and leadership style. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can you, very much. You can be a principal, and again, this is stuff money can't buy. Some of this is personality, it is. but or some of it can be trained. But you can be a principal who collaborates with the teachers, who solicits their ideas, their buy-in, you know, or you can be a principal who's a little bit more heavy-handed. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I, I, I could see where you could get the same result depending on, on how you approach it. it I, I think the approach is important, and and believe me, I... You know, my husband's a teacher. He would tell you that, that I am... I, I can be about as bossy as they come. But that's not necessarily the way to be effective. It, you know, I, I could feel that way, but the way to get the result is to is to step away from me and to step into us. What are we going to do together? And even if a principal may have a different style, they can adopt a different way of work. They can adopt a different attitude, and we see that be very effective. Some of our some of our toughest schools, you'll see teachers who have committed, you know. Uh, seven, 10, 15 years of their, some of, some um, teachers will, will teach their entire career in some of our, uh, some of our most challenging schools because they believe that they're respected in that community, because they believe that the support they have from administration enables them to make the difference for the, for those kids who need it the most. So, so it's not that it doesn't happen, but it very much is driven by the approach that administrators take. And, and I think that administrators have to, whether it's a district administrator, the ones that are sitting across from us at the bargaining table, who buy, we collaborate with every day on on issues that come up. I and this is, this is a, there's lots of moving parts to this whole thing. Um, or, or a site-based administrator, they have all been educators. They've all been, cla- almost all classroom, some, I would say, cl- I would say classroom teachers, but some have, have, um, have come from different parts of, of the, the education field, but we're, they've all been educators. Now is not the time to forget what it was to be a classroom educator. Now is not the time to make the classroom teachers feel as though you don't remember what that was like. And that, because that, it, that, it almost hurts more, you know, it, 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 it feels, it feels like being, like being abandoned or forgotten what it was really like. So uh, just to wrap this up. So what should people know about teachers, what they're going through? What is it that we probably just don't appreciate or get? Uh, about what teachers are, are experiencing right now in the year 2019? Well, it's, you know, I, w- I would even say that a couple of years ago, we were, within the last couple of years, we were at impasse with the district over the salary agreement. And we we took a chance. We asked our teachers to work the contract for a week. We, we don't strike in the, the state of Florida. It's prohibited by the Constitution. And so we um, we asked our teachers to work the contract for a week just to, to come in at start time 
to leave at end time, not to take work home with you, <clears throat> to step back from these these extra um, obligations, uh, club sponsorship, committees, uh, service, extra extra PLCs that, to be honest, many teachers would do very, very gladly. They would, uh, we asked them not to do that for a week. And it was one of the toughest asks we had at the time. It was just difficult to get teachers to do it because it felt counterintuitive to them yeah. to sit that, to set that aside. But we did it. And it really, it was a little bit of a risk because we, we thought, you know, how is the public going to react yeah. to this? How are yeah. parents going to see this? And you know what? We saw... We saw such support. We saw such encouragement from from the community, from from families, that it was really it, it was just it was really bolstering to know that even though uh, people outside of the field of education may not necessarily be able to say, "Oh, I know exactly what that's like from a personal perspective," they they believed teachers when they were telling them. After that week, teachers went back. We changed hashtags. We went to hashtag Beyond the Contract because they wanted to show, okay, this is the way that we do go past. So past what's required of us. So we were really encouraged by what people already do know about what educators do, what they, how, how far beyond, above and beyond they do know that, that our educators go. To be honest, it's, it's, we want the community to understand that the, that the pressure on teachers, that the expectations on teachers are many and extensive and can be very, very heavy at, at times because they love your kids like you love your kids. They, they, they want to see those children flourish and, and, and have amazing opportunities in the future, just like you want your own kids to have. It really is a family. It's a family operation. But I think understanding just what that takes for educators to do that and respecting it is it means the world to educators, recognizing it, not necessarily having to relate to it personally, but respecting it. Yeah. And really, I think leaning on our elected representatives, speaking out to our to our school board uh, about the fact that the community sees it, the 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 district administrators that the and, and site based administrators who are walking that out need to show that they see it as well. Yeah. And that that's what's really going to, I think, make make teachers feel valued so that they they feel encouraged to continue going above yeah, and beyond that makes sense well listen thank you so much for thanks. this i learned a lot and oh, uh, no, thanks for we'll have to me. do this again yeah absolutely <laughs> so you've been listening to podcasts from the tampa bay times gradebook this is marlene sokol signing off